You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello, welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And in this, our Spotlight segment, we're happy to welcome our guest, Asha Coco, who's the president of Forever Mood. Hello, Asha. Hello. Thank you for having me. So let's see. What should we talk about first? What Forever Mood is or who you are? Which one do you want to do first? Your background. I know you have a very interesting background for your business. You used to work for Givadon, right? In fragrance. I'll tell you, maybe I'll tell you a little bit about my background and then how I got to Forever Mood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have been in the beauty industry my entire career, my entire working career. Um, and I started at some of the, you know, the big giant strategics, which is really where I kind of learned the foundations. And I was a brand marketer at, you know, Estee Lauder companies. Oh, before Juvenal. Yeah, before I moved to the fragrance house side. And it was an interesting story. So I've always worked in beauty, but ended up in these roles where I was working on fragrance brands and really fell in love with fragrance. So Mm. I'm an avid beauty consumer. Like I love every category, every product, like I have drawers and drawers and drawers filled with things I love to play with. Gotcha. Um, And so I was at Estee Lauder companies and I had an experience with a supplier who was a fragrance supplier, like a Givadon or a Ferminish, other companies I've worked with in the past. And um, I was in this presentation and it was one of these um, workshops where they talk about blue sky creativity. And it was my first exposure to this type of like lens into innovation. And I was, my mind was blown. I was like, I think the way they approach the market and future trends and innovation and ideation is so amazing. It really unlocked something in me that made me want to go explore that Mm. because I was really in these traditional brand management roles in these very robust companies where, you know, you're, you're a young person carving your path and you you're really not, you know, the decision maker there at that point early, early on in your career, though Mm -hmm. you're learning everything and you're exposed to everything. So I, um, wait, let me stop you there. Is what, is it, what attracted you to this, that there were, these were trends and new ideas and you were working in established brands and established ideas, or is that what was exciting about it? Yeah. So, you know what it was, um, and, and I spent many years doing that once I moved to the supplier side. So the way they really approached um, innovation and kind of their sales strategy was, is to look at a brand portfolio and identify opportunities aligned to macro trends. But it was always through the lens of like, what is happening in culture? What is happening with the consumer mindset? What are new innovations that are impacting and creating like new movements in in the marketplace and out of that they would pitch new concepts to a specific brand and i was like how do you think this way it yeah, was my that's first cool. exposure to that mm. and it was so cool because it was really mm. 
like out there it was blue sky mm-hmm. i had never even heard of blue sky so i mean it. you were like at jivadan which is a fragrance company and you make the smells and frequently jivadan made the smell the smells behind the big brands and things like that they're the ones that actually create it so what you're talking about is identifying these trends which is cool i like that idea we call that white space sometimes looking for the white yeah. space and you know where somebody isn't yet and it's an opportunity but how did they take those trends and translate them into smells you know like how, what was that process yeah interesting oh yeah no it's it's interesting so i really i learned that really when i was in at some other fragrance houses when i was at simrise and firmish and it's just kind of a methodology where you're kind of looking at you know market shifts so you could say um you know let's just take a very simplistic example you know at the time of the pandemic everyone was at home and they were really lacking that feel of you know connection and touch with other people and so they would kind of identify hey like we see these certain products on the market are trying to simulate that to kind of evoke that type of um you know feeling for consumers and out of that then we could say hey let's design a fragrance wow. that can create a feeling of intimacy how does it unlock parts of you know your um your brain to really simulate connection or Mm. give you a feeling of comfort. And there are certain like materials we would do research, right? There'd be certain materials that could create certain types of emotions and mood states. I mean, a little foreshadowing to forever move, right? Yeah, Yeah. totally. totally. Um, And, and also, um, you know, again, there would also be different types of scientific breakthroughs or techniques that also could be linked to like, let's just say like the natural movement evolution towards like clean beauty. Mm. How can we address that with, you know, new ingredients, technologies, techniques to design fragrance in a different way. So there was always some way to execute a trend through formulation. Oh, that's cool. That's so can you give cool. us like just a primer on fragrance? Like what? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like it's like wine tasting 101. Yeah, give us yeah. the, give us mean, the I, basic I think vocabulary. There might be floral or spicy. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. So like, help me here. But I mean, fruity, I don't know. Earthy, I mean, yeah, musk. Like, I mean, what, what, what are the things? So a lot of the fragrance industry talks about olfactive families and those are mm. classifications and they're very traditional and they come out of kind of the composition of a fragrance so you may have um a fragrance like you mentioned floral like a fragrance could have it could have 30 ingredients 50 ingredients even 100 ingredients but as a consumer you're really going to interact just with the one like a few ingredients that really um, express the character of a fragrance. So you'll never get the list of 100 because that's just TMI, right? Right. (laughs) Um, So you're, you know, you'll really just encounter those that make sense in marketing. So you kind of position those. And often the other like secret sauce of fragrance, right, is that a lot of the innovation is through chemicals and molecules Mm. that, do not have consumer friendly names. Yeah. So you'll find that perfumers will be very um, smart in how they say, okay, they actually will craft like an accord or an effect through certain molecules and chemicals and they'll call it, I'm making it up, a strawberry or mm. something else. Mm-hmm. So that a consumer would be like, I understand the strawberry. Strawberry reminds me of my childhood. My mother used to make 
you know, a strawberry chiffon pie, mm. but they don't need to know like the chemical compound name, which wouldn't like resonate. Um, so you have olfactive classifications. It could be floral or citrus or woody. And it's really mm. about the composition, the character and those key notes. Mm. But then you also have like different moods that are evoked by different scents and sometimes different types of scents can evoke different types of moods and sometimes there's crossover so for example citrus notes tend to have a lot of effervescence and they're uplifting and they're kind of bright and sparkling and so often they're connected to energy mm. um which is you know and and you can even look back at certain raw materials and their aromatherapeutic benefits I see. right yeah. Whereas something that is maybe more um, aromatic based could be more, um, let's say, like an aromatic, like a lavender or eucalyptus or even herbaceous notes like basil or thyme. It could lean into a place that becomes more zen or uh, grounding. Mm-hmm. For wow. So, I mean, and again, this let me like- just tell you, Asha, I'm starting to levitate in the studio <laughs> right now. I just. The, so, you're just you're just you're just uplifting us with this unbelievable wisdom here. It's really really amazing. So like, is there also a trend with complexity versus simplicity? Like you're talking about like top notes, bottom notes, or I mean like when Americans mentioned wine, like some people like wine because it's got all these complex different things. Is that true with fragrance also, or do like people like cleaner, only one note kind of thing? Yeah, no, consumers like it all. I'd say most of them <laughs> is complex fragrances, but there are a lot of brands out there that have positioned themselves around this concept of more simplistic formulas. If you look back at a brand like Le Labo, which was acquired, you know, years back by Estee Lauder companies, their um, part of their story was that they did very simplified fragrances and that within each formulation, they actually, the name of the fragrance had a number attached to it and the number signified the number of ingredients in the formulation. And and it was also, it was like, it's like, if you know, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Um, But I would say if you fast forward to, and I know we'll talk about it, uh, what I'm doing at Forever Mood, I mean, the idea. We're ready to fast forward. Go right ahead. Fast right forward. No, I mean, it's okay because it's all the world of scent. Like there are many different approaches. And I think, you know, at Forever Mood, the idea here was like how to make um, fragrances an accessible luxury in what you were saying is exactly a white space in the market where you have a very high end market that is inaccessible to a lot of consumers. Mm. Um, like some of those brands, you know, that we will probably talk about. And then you also have a part of the market that my founder, um, Jackie Ina, who's the creator, content creator who founded the brand with her fiance, Dennis um, Asimois, and they're amazing creators who, you know, recognize also you have kind of, we, we say it's a more simplistic approach to the market. It's like, here's my home fragrance and it's apple pie and you get what you get, right? Yep. Um, and she's like, I'm looking for a more elevated experience and I'm looking for my community to be able to access mm. quality fragrances that also are well um, designed and also, you know, they're fun because a lot of these brands like wine, right? It's a very specific craft and if you're not knowledgeable about like you might not know what these notes are i mean you might not know what the construction means like it could be very much unattainable and feel 
non not inclusive. So Forever Mood was born out of trying to capture the space in the market um, through her voice which I thought was really special because she has a very powerful voice and a very powerful, you know, fan base and community. So tell us a little bit about her background. So she, so you're the president of of yes. the brand, but yes. she's the so, founder. So how does, how does all that work? Yeah. So I joined the brand about six months ago. Um, I met them through another creator whose brand I worked with them to help start up a fragrance brand as as a supplier when I was working at the fragrance houses. Mm -hmm. And I just love brands. And, you know, the, I had been spending years working with indie brands at very early stages, pre-revenue or kind of that, you know, they had their first launch, but they knew their products weren't good. And they're like, now we're ready. We'd play with the big boys hmm. and I'd come in and help them shape you know, the direction. Um, and I was like, this is a great opportunity to work with a burgeoning brand that is, you know, hitting a lot of firsts in the market. So Forever Mood is the first black owned fragrance brand in Sephora today, mm -hmm. which was a huge milestone. And Sephora has been an outstanding partner. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when they launched, it was really a passion project. So Jackie's a um, a beauty creator and very prolific for it. Mm. And she has always been known for makeup, but her first love is fragrance. Oh, and she tells a story about fragrance. It's actually quite personal because it was what she and her mother bonded over. It was her first entry into the beauty category was through scent. And also because, and she speaks about it quite openly, she um, she suffered from hyperhidrosis, which is a condition in which you sweat excessively. And so it was the fragrance category that gave her confidence in mm. her very formative like years as a young person to feel like, you know, she was yep. mm -hmm. confident, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and it's amazing when she tells the story because it's so powerful and so personal. And she's like, my first love is fragrance. I know I became known for, for makeup and my makeup looks and all of that. Um, and so she had been working on this project and I think she and Dennis were incubating this concept and they were at home during the pandemic and everyone was at home and they were like, Maybe. so when was this, when did she start this brand? They launched in 2020. Oh, wow. okay. So they launched in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. It was August. She launched on her birthday mm. and she, she'll tell the story. She'll be like, I sold out a four months of inventory in four hours. Wow. Like they didn't know that they hit this thing because of course, like at that time in the marketplace, home fragrance was on the rise because everyone was at home. Right. Um, and But nobody was showering as I recall. So like they, <laughs> <laughs> during the early, maybe by May, when did you say this was? Barbara, like, just uh, blurt it out. Just, you know. <laughs> no, but you're talking about like March, April. People were like, that was terrible. But this was, now what month was this that you said March, you were right. Everyone's hygiene. It was all by like, August. It was, by, by August, August it was like, people started taking showers Lord of the Flies and caring by about it. August. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they launched the That's brand funny. direct to consumer and being a creator and it was a digital native brand. So it made sense. So a lot of their communication was through, was through these, you know, social channels because that was the platform where she's really relevant. Um, and it took off. And wow. then a year later they launched Sephora and then. So they I launched did, in they store. Brought me on. Okay, yeah. wait, so let me, let's go back. So her background was uh, as a beauty leader and she was also like a powerful influencer. She was a, was she a big YouTuber? Yeah. Is that where? She's a huge YouTuber. She still is. She actually um, 
has platforms across YouTube, two on Instagram, and also her TikTok is really mm. growing. As as so so people know her name, and it's her name linked with the Forever Mood brand that kind of sells the product. Yeah, and as I, I understand it, you've been in beauty a long time. YouTube is a very important channel or communication channel for beauty. Is that right? Yeah. No, absolutely, because it's really rooted in kind of understanding like how to do things and it's really also honest and raw and i think that's like also mm. the beauty of working for a creator-led brand is that their community really understands that like their voice is authentic so it's different than i mean i in my past like you encounter celebrity brands and sometimes there's a perception like a celebrity may sometimes they're very involved and sometimes they're less involved and yeah. they're just kind of of the campaign right and it's right. an endorsement deal but i think what's really interesting here is that like these creators are genuinely involved in the day-to-day -day of their business and driving the creation of the products right and and also their community's watching right all the fans are watching and they mm. they want they they expect some authenticity right from the brand and so she um she and dennis intentionally named it forever mood so that forever mood Forever Mood's a vibe, right? Forever Mood, they played with the letters, like a lot of what she, her voice is playing with, you know, puns and the African-American vernacular language and really just like making the language around fragrance fun mm. because it is quite traditional and simplistic and ingredient-based with, with some brands in the marketplace. Um, and I think that really caught the market's attention and specifically, you know, a BIPOC demographic, like people are like, this is, this is in Gen Z. And yeah, you know, and I want to unpack that. Before I do, yeah. let me reintroduce you. I'm Barbara Kahn, along with America's Reed. This is Marketing Matters. And we're joined by Asha Coco, who's the president of Forever Mood. And now that she's mentioned it, Forever is spelled F-O-R-V-R, -R, Forever Mood. Um, if you'd like to ask Asha or any of us a question throughout today's show, please feel free to call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So I'm, you started to explain it, but I want you to go a little deeper into it. So this is considered a Black-owned business. Is that relevant that it's a, a Black founder? And how does that make the fragrance different? I mean, is it just in what you started to talk about, the language and the way it's described? Is it a different preference for fragrances? Or like, what what is distinct about this, this market and this positioning? Sure. Um, I think that, I think that being a Black-owned um, fragrance brand is significant. There are very few in the marketplace. Mm. It is widely dominated by European brands. So the fact that there are a few that can break through and hers being at the forefront is significant in the marketplace. Now, in terms of differentiating factors, I really do think, you know, we want to be inclusive and we invite everyone into our brand, but we really celebrate, you know, black women and making luxury accessible for them because that was the the space that she saw a big gap that some of these other brands were not attainable to that demographic mm. and she wanted to be accessible um but we invite everyone into the brand and we do see that like uh, a multicultural consumer base um so the the thing that i think really sets us apart i mean of course you know from a fragrance standpoint i think what the market likes is really by 
differentiated by country or by region. I mean, there are some nuances, but generally like it doesn't matter what race you are, like you like what you like. It's a personal preference and there are certain things that lead in the market regardless. But there are nuances in certain types that over that over index or under index. Oh, I yeah. think what we try to do is really have a breath so that we can invite everyone into the brand. And you see that through a lot of our new innovation that's um, come out so that we make sure that we have a spectrum of scents that anyone could want to kind of like, you know, style their home with scent mm, um, interesting and i think it's also our in our language the way we speak about fragrance and the names we give them so for example this summer we launched a fragrance within our holiday our, our summer collection which was called tropic like it's hot mm. um, and <laughs> we one, saw yeah. what you did there <laughs> well and done this, this, is, this is where this is yeah. this is jackie's voice right it's incredible um, and one of the fragrances was called Thirst Trapping. Mm. And it's like really taking something that's happening that's in like pop culture yep. at, you know, and just like really capture a moment and a vibe and an energy and bring it to life. And Thirst Trapping was succulent. It was juicy. It was watermelon. <laughs> it's kind of like all the things you'd expect from a thirst trap. Yeah. Um, yep. But I think it's such a great example of how we connect um you know, the language. I often have a lot of conversations with Jackie about the names of the fragrances. So, um, and I always find that she's at, like, she's so far ahead in how she's thinking about these concepts. Sometimes I'll be like, I, I think of my old marketer self and the days in which you're like, I need to appeal to a broad demographic. And she'll be like, this is a really interesting idea. And like a few months later, it's like, Pop, like popping in pop culture mm. one of our top sellers is a candle called cuffing season mm. and i think a lot of like people are like what is cuffing season i have i know people understand what it is and then people are like i don't understand what it is but it's all about you know it's the fall and it's the time you snuggle with your boo and it's like you know you get cuffed and by the way like beyonce <laughs> you know that's her song about getting cuffed wow. and so this is I must say, I, I like where this is going. So. <laughs> so I see that, like, and that, and that's something we really were very intentional about because we want to have fun. Like, fragrance yes. is fun and emotional, and like, mm -hmm. we're going to. You'll see in our new innovations for next year, we'll be leaning into kind of really linking those mood states strongly to the fragrance, but like always in a way that's going to be fun. Mm. So you mostly make home fragrances, or do you make personal fragrances also? Today, the brand is in home fragrance, mm -hmm. and we have some lifestyle accessories. Oh, interesting. Like, um, silk items and some uh, candle care accessories, but we have we have big things planned. Ah, cool. so you're not talking. <laughs> you're hinting, but not talking. So I'm curious in this, but you're talking about fashion, and you were in Estee Lauder, and I think, you know, this is more personal fragrance, but... Maybe it's home fragrance too. Is it typical to have like classic scents or is it typical to constantly invent new scents? Like what do people like in these, you know, like for example, in my personal scent, I use, I like to have a signature scent, you know, so I would like to buy the same thing over time. Um, or, but maybe some people like variety and they want it to smell different every single time. How does that work? So, okay, if you look at the marketplace and if you want to just like talk about the fine fragrance market and the top sellers, it is very consistently the same people 
who rank at the top, right? It's you've got your Chanel's and your Dior's mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and these blockbuster brands have been tried and true um, for like withstanding, like they they do excellent over time. However, there's so much innovation. The market's extremely fragmented. You have all these new brands that are emerging just like us. I mean, there's lots of indie brands. I'd say the rise of the indie <laughs> brand was probably happening probably seven, eight years ago, and it just really has exploded. So there's so much choice out there. Um, And there are thousands of fragrances launched each year, and many of them fail, and you'll never see them again. Um, So it's a really challenging and competitive marketplace. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what you, so I do think there's a consumer that has their signature, and I think it, it can be linked to kind of like different demographics, but I think we see that there is a demand for choice, both um, from the retailer and consumer, which is why we see so much innovation and so many launches year on year. It increases every year. Wow. Well, Asha, we could talk to you all day about this. This is a very complex uh, subject and you're very informed, but they, but we're running out of time. So thank you very much for joining us. And where can our listeners go to follow you and find out more about this new brand? Sure. They can find me on Twitter at Asha Coco um, or on LinkedIn. Okay. And or and they can also find us at Forever Mood on Instagram and TikTok. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And we'd love to thank our producer, Dion Simpkins, and our other producer, Dana Cash, who's kind of on break today, but she's usually here. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing, and you can follow Business Radio on SXM Business for information about our programming. Thank you all for listening today. We'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.